Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. Want to say hello to everybody in the chat, getting ready to watch this show this evening as we are in prime time. And this show is for the gamblers. This one's for anyone that uh, might want to take some prop bets this year before the season begins, whether it's Bucks total wins, whether it's a certain amount of yardage for uh, individual Bucks players uh, on the offensive side of the ball. A uh, lot to get into with this one. Very excited about this topic because I do enjoy gambling myself. So we're going to do Bucks over unders in 2023. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow colleague from pewterreport.com. Great to have him back on the show. It is James Hill. James, what's going on, my man? How are you? Doing good, Matt. You know, happy to be on another episode here of the Pewter Report podcast. A lot of fun stuff to talk about today. You know, again, like you said, for anybody who's into, you know, betting on some players and whatnot, you know, should have some interesting takes and uh, opinions here in this episode. So, yeah, should be a lot of fun. Happy to get into it. And I think what will make a lot of Bucks fans happy is that training camp is coming up very, very soon. I mean, it starts up next week, I believe next Wednesday. There's a couple that are private to the public and just media is available. But don't you worry, pewterreport.com will be right there covering everything getting our stories out our videos as well james does a fantastic job with our uh youtube channel and it's no surprise that we've been getting so many more subscribers and we're very close to 11k so please um so please like and subscribe and i also like this comment from football fans says i can enjoy it even if i don't gamble that's true because it's really just a discussion it's just a not an argument you could argue whether you think mike will hit his over or under you don't have to put money on it Sometimes it's just the vindication of being right. But before we talk about the overs and unders of everybody, because training camp is coming up very, very soon. James, I want to ask you, what are you most looking forward to watching and paying attention to when training camp gets here? Obviously, there's like the quarterback battle, but is there anything else really that um, is on your mind? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things. Um, obviously, we'll probably talk about this in some some other videos here on the Peter Report channel and probably other podcasts as well as we get closer to training camp and whatnot. But the first one, the quarterback battle, that's, yeah. of course, going to be a very interesting thing to pay attention to. I think the kicking battle will also be a pretty mm. interesting thing. Right, right now, you have Chase McLaughlin versus Rodrigo Blankenship. You know, I, special teams matters in a lot of situations, and the Bucks took a bit of a gamble, you know, moving on from Ryan Suckup, the sure thing, who had 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 a good track record with the Buccaneers, you know, recently. Now you've got Chase McLaughlin. Now you've got Rodrigo Blankenship. Both guys who are still pretty young, have a little bit stronger legs than what Suckup had, and that's going to be a bit of a battle. What's that going to look like? Tristan Wirfs moving to left tackle, basically oh, yeah. the entirety of the offensive line, you know, just getting shifted around being new in some way shape or form folks the tampa bay buccaneers are going to have a new starting left tackle a new starting left guard brian jensen coming back as the team's starting center a new starting right guard and a new starting right tackle like that's a lot of change so that's going to be very interesting the wide receiver battle after Evans, Godwin, and Gage is going to be very intriguing to pay attention to on the defensive side. How are young guys going to step up? Jotron Chowinka, Zahn McCollum. You have Kalaji Kansi, first round pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How is he going to do? Logan Hall going into, you know, a pretty critical year here where he's going to get some more playing time as well. Like there's a lot of storyline stuff yeah. going on that I think is all certainly, certainly worth paying attention to. And as Matt said, we're going to have it all covered here on Pewter Report. So make sure that you guys stay tuned in and subscribe if you're new. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up the offensive line and the concerns, the conversation that'll be going on there. Because 
Uh, I was lucky enough to be on WDAE this morning, uh, the Pat and Aaron show. I'd recommend checking it out uh, if you want to listen to that interview. And I got asked about kind of like what am I not necessarily what am I looking at, but like what kind of concerns me. And I really did. And obviously, everyone wants to talk about the the quarterback situation. But I really did say the offensive line, I think, is something to pay attention to, something that can really, unfortunately, kind of derail this season because. Tristan Wirfs moving from right to left tackle is sort of the least of our concerns when it comes to this offensive line, which is kind of funny to say, but I think that's more of a testament to Tristan and what he does for this team. Having Ryan Jensen back is awesome. Don't get me wrong. But really the question is what type of Ryan Jensen are you getting back? Is it the guy that is arguably the best center in the NFL or is it, a guy that struggled in the playoff game last year. Granted, he didn't play the whole season, so it was kind of a, a big hill cl- to climb. But more than anything else, I mean, the Bucks are going the same route that they did last year with, okay, we're going to draft uh, an offensive tackle, move him to guard, and we hope that it works out. And we're also going to have a new offensive guard on the other side. And the, the guard that did struggle last season, oh, he's going to be our starting right tackle now. So I think there's a lot of questions to be asked and a lot of uh, fears to have with this offensive line. We've said a lot that it can't get any worse. And that's true because they did have the worst running game last year. But if it doesn't get that much better, then it's still a loss at the end of the day. Uh, I think you brought up a lot of good different, uh, you know, position battles. I think the secondary is going to be fun, especially with, new guys uh, on the team, especially at safety with Ryan Neal. I think there's a lot of excitement there. But another thing that we haven't talked about a ton is the fact that the there's a lot of like competitions for who's going to be the starter at this spot or this spot, or, or will, they, will, it, will it come to fruition, if you will? The one thing where there's a big, big question mark, like even kicker, we know it's the two guys you already mentioned. It's going to be the two of them competing for that job. The nickel slot position is kind of like anything is open right now. Yes, there's D. Delaney. Yes, there's Josh Hayes. But that is, I think, more than any other position, is completely wide open going into training camp. Yeah, that's that's kind of the one situation where you you hit the nail right on the head where it's like, what's going to happen in this situation? Who's yeah going to be there isn't a clear-cut answer before it used to be well you know rotate Antoine Winfield Jr. there but they don't want to do that as upcoming season so now it's the question well who are you going to put there there's been a lot of praise and support for Zion McCollum and you know what he's been able to do growing this offseason and he's certainly going to get a look possibly at that position you have D Delaney a veteran you know Matt we've talked about it at OTAs and whatnot he's been a guy who's been getting some work at that nickel position as well. He's a guy that's certainly got some experience there. And, you know, they've also got some younger guys that can do some things in there as well. So, you know, obviously, you know, Josh Hayes was drafted. He's going to have a little bit of safety, a little bit of nickel experience there. There are a couple of guys, but if there was one position, right. And I know obviously, you know, there, there is now kind of a time where it's like, well, you know, are you going to add some type of veteran before training camp? Maybe during training camp, are you going to add a guy? I would say nickel corner specifically is one of those ones to maybe pay attention to, because if some of those young guys, if some of those, you know, second, third year guys aren't necessarily getting the job done, or maybe they need a little bit more time to grow, or maybe that's not even just the right fit for them. Maybe you do look to the veteran market at that point. Yeah, I'm with you. I think safety or nickel would be the other spot where you want to get that nickel or really just like a a veteran player in there. Logan Ryan, of course, comes to mind because he was here uh, last season. So that's something to keep in mind of. We don't want to dive too deep into it because we do have a couple more podcasts to get through before training camp. We might dive a little bit further into all of this um, on another show. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about something Related to the Bucs, but unrelated as well. Obviously, the Bucs dropped their creamsicle jerseys last week. And to much fanfare, looks awesome. A lot of people are excited about it, and rightfully so. We're starting to see other teams drop their vintage jerseys that are, you know, that are coming out. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings not only are going to be wearing a third alternate jersey, whatever you want to call it, 
They're wearing it week one against the Bucs when Tampa Bay goes to Minnesota to open up the season. And the Seattle Seahawks dropped their vintage jerseys today. The old school light blue with the silver. Uh, they came in right around, I believe, the same year as the Buccaneers back in the 70s. Uh, Scott Reynolds had a great tweet uh, on Peter Report's social media on Twitter saying that the NFL should add an extra game and it should be Bucks first, Seahawks in the vintage jerseys for both sides. Uh, what do you think of the Seahawks and the Vikings jerseys and where does it stack against the creamsicle? Well, one, I still think the creamsicle is the best, but that is not, you know, to discredit these two vintage jerseys that have come out. They look really good, Matt. Like yeah. they, they just look great, you know? And, and I do think it's pretty cool to see the Vikings, you know, they used to be in the same division as the Bucks, by the way. Yeah. Um, whenever the Buccaneers first came into the league, it was the NFC central, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a cool historical thing for me. I like that. I think that that's a pretty cool thing. Seahawks jerseys, like you said, Matt, uh, just some really cool history there as well, revolving around the Bucks. They came into the league the same exact year, 1976, um, and they just look good, man. I mean, I, personally, you know, it, it's it's uh, you know, I guess this is the time where all the teams come out with their their vintage jerseys. I think I also saw something saw something that the Cleveland Browns were coming out with some type of white helmet. Yeah, that I saw that too. Yeah, so so I guess you know, past week or so, week and a half, two weeks is the time where all the teams are, you know, coming out with their jerseys and whatnot. Uh, thankfully, the Bucks were the team that got to it first, but um, yeah, you know, it's I always love seeing throwback jerseys, man, and different different variations of helmets and whatnot. It's it's always a fun time. I I would still personally put the cream sickles up there. The new ones they look fantastic in my opinion. Uh, just small things right done to the jerseys to kind of update them in some ways. And you're seeing that with the Vikings and the Seahawks too, where it doesn't look plain or anything. It looks like a, a modern, you know, it sounds weird to say, but like a modern throwback, you know, where it's, it's stylized in a bit of a more bit of a modern way with, you know, current different types of, of uh, materials and whatnot yeah. being used, but it still has that old look. And, and, and I think it all looks really good, man. Um, you know, cool that we're going to be seeing the Vikings throwback uniforms versus the Bucks. Then we're going to see the Bucks throwback uniforms versus the Lions. And yeah, I, I agree with Scott, man. Get the Seahawks, get the Bucks in another game this year. Have them wear their throwback jerseys and, and just rake in the money, man. Because that, that'd be a fun game to watch. It'd be a cool, you know, just aesthetically pleasing game to watch from, from the cool yes. throwback uniforms running around out there. Very, very aesthetically pleasing. When I saw some of the new you knew uniforms, including the Bucks, I just couldn't help but think, like, why did we have to wait so long? Because universally, everyone loves these new uniforms, whether it's the Bucks, whether it's the Seahawks. The Lions have a, a new third jersey as well. Maybe they'll wear that against the Bucks uh, when the Bucks wear the creamsicles. I think that would be an awesome idea. As far as vintage jerseys go, specifically for the NFL, I think the creamsicle and the Chargers baby blue, the powder blue jerseys are up there as the two best. But the Chargers very recently made the powder blue their current, like every home game jersey. So therefore, it's no longer a vintage one. So the Bucks win. So there you go. Also, there was something on social media today where uh, it looked like the, uh, the Jets accidentally posted a video like they were posting a video of something else but then in the background you see players in throwback uniforms posing for pictures and stuff like that it's a very brief video but everyone made the joke like oh that intern's gonna be fired but thanks for posting it or whatever so it looks like the jets might be rocking some uh i think late 1990s or sorry early 1990s throwback jerseys that would be cool or maybe go back to you know, the Joe Namath days back in the uh, the late 60s, whatever, kept those jerseys going. But yeah, the more vintage, the better. The NFL loves making money, <laughs> for better or for worse, with uh, some of the adjustments they make. So um, either way, all good. All very, very fun stuff. And it'll be very, very fun to see some of your favorite Buccaneers rocking the Cream Skull this year. It'll be a lot more fun if they hit the over on a lot of these uh, these prop bets that got they got going on. So we're going to start with the greatest offensive player in Buccaneers history. That, of course, is Mike Evans, number 13. So 
just to pull back the curtain, I guess, for everybody real quick. The prop bets are still kind of rolling out because we are in July and the closer we get to the season, the more the individual prop bets come out because there's so many different variables and intangibles, you know, guy signs with a new team guy has a new wide receiver that he's playing with, maybe a new quarterback, something like that. So uh, this is kind of a roundup of the, uh, the, the over unders that certain publications have for your star players. And we'll start, with Mike Evans. But I got to be honest, James, when I saw this over under for Mike Evans, my eyes nearly shot out of my head because I could not believe it. So I saw two different publications and we're just going to start with receiving yards. We'll get to uh, touchdowns in a minute after we talk about Chris Godwin as well. As far as the over under for receiving yards for Mike Evans, the guy that holds the NFL record for nine straight seasons to begin a career with a thousand receiving yards per season. On one publication, I saw the over-under in receiving yards for Mike Evans, number 13 of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at 875 and a half yards. Now, I was like, that can't be right. That can't be right. So I started looking around, digging a little bit deeper. I found another one. Over under 925 and a half receiving yards. James, your thoughts on this baffling, baffling number for Mike Evans? I mean, why? <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> why? Does recent, does all of history just not matter in this situation? Why in the world would you have an, oh, look. Take the over. What yeah, do you mean? No, don't <laughs> like don't what? Take the over. Hammer the over. Yeah, Hammer like the like over. like what in the world are those publications talking about? I would. I was sitting here thinking that you were going to say it's going to be just a thousand on the dot or something. And I was like, okay, it's, yeah, I would still take the over on that. Eight hundred something. Yeah, low nine hundred. Are you crazy? Why in the world would you set that? You're just giving people money. I think at that point, like what in the world, Mike Evans, Matt? Again, like you just said, he's had a thousand yards every single year of his NFL career. It doesn't matter who's at quarterback. It could be the greatest guy of all time, or it could be a team that gets you the number one overall pick. Guess what? It didn't matter. Mike Evans is still getting a thousand yards, Matt. So like that is baffling to me. When like when you said your eyes almost shot out of your head, I I believe you now because that is (laughs) insane to me. Insane. I, I don't know who you just said a moment ago, oh, that Jets intern is going to get fired. Man, whoever's in charge of coming up with these over-unders for these publications, that person should be getting a talking to. Because, oh my yeah. goodness, you're handing people free money at that point, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it is a fair thing to say that Mike Evans probably has a really good chance to get a 1,000 yards receiving. I'm not even looking at, re- I don't even care about recent, you know, I, obviously it matters, recent history, but like, he's Mike Evans. You know he's going to get his. He's going to get his targets. Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, John Wolford, whoever's going to be out there. You know, guess what? They're going to throw the football to Mike Evans a pretty healthy amount, man. We even heard Dave Canales talk about it on the Pewter Report podcast here. Guess what, guys? The Buccaneers offense starts with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say that I would take the over on this one pretty confidently. You were channeling your inner Dwayne the Rock Johnson with it doesn't matter who's throwing him the football. <laughs> and, and like if you go down the list, Josh McCown, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston, Mike Glennon, um, you know, Blaine Gabbard very briefly, and of course Tom Brady over the past couple of years. I mean, look at these numbers. 1051 as a rookie, over twelve hundred, for over thirteen hundred. He just broke it in twenty seventeen, got a thousand and one. Fifteen hundred in twenty eighteen. Almost 1,200 in 2019. Barely cracked it again in 2020 um, with 1,006. 
than 1,035, and he still got 1,124 receiving yards in a quote-unquote down year last season for Mike Evans. To say, and if I if I were going to put my viewpoint in, in whoever is making that number and saying that Mike might not even get 900 receiving yards this year, I would say, uh, new quarterback, Baker Mayfield, he's on his last limbs, new offense, that might take some time. I don't think that necessarily matters, though, because of all the quarterbacks that Mike Evans has worked with and because he's gotten a thousand yards every single time. Where is the respect for Mike Evans? Where is the respect for Mike Evans in that type of situation? Because the over under for this, without question, should be nine ninety nine and a half. It should merely be, will Mike Evans get 1,000 yards again, or will he not? That pretty much what it comes down to. It Like, where is, let's see, Long Lost Glazer says uh, over-under should be 1,050 and a half for Evans. I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's too much out of the ballpark by any means. Wayne says definitely over no matter who the quarterback is. Tom like- says, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it's like, Matt, who's going to get the ball? Like, are they just going to, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, someone has to catch it. Even bad teams, like the Panthers last year, DJ Moore, I know they traded him to the Bears to get that first-round pick, but DJ Moore still had a really good season, even on a terrible, terrible offense. Yeah, like, what's the over-under for Chris Godwin, then, in that case? Like, 1,500 or something? Like, good (laughs) lord. Over-under on Rashad White rushing attempts this year, 300, you know? Like, Like, come on, man. Let's get to uh, Chris Godwin because egregiously, I think we're all taking the over with Mike Evans. Um, Chris Godwin, this one a little bit surprising too. I think I understand it a bit more given the injuries that he was dealing with last year, but they have the over under in receiving yards for Chris Godwin at 800 and a half. So um, a lot, a lot lower than expected, but even even so, James, I mean, you look at the body of work with with Chris Godwin, and granted, he kind of got force-fed the ball last year, but that was because of the offensive coordinator. And Godwin, same thing with Evans, you know, coming into a new offense, going to have a bit of a different role. But Brad Isaac, the wide receivers coach, has spoken glowingly of him. And even with a – listen, no one on the Bucks offense had a great year last year. Let's just call it what it is. No one did. But even with the struggles that Chris Godwin had last year, playing in 15 games, dealing with a little bit of an injury, he still had over 1,000 yards. He still had over 1,100 yards in 2021. In 2020, he had 840 yards, but he also only played in 12 games. And his, uh, his yards per game were, I believe, yeah, there were 70 yards per game. So he clearly would have, if he would have played four more, he would have got over 1,000 yards. 800, again, it kind of feels like a slap in the face to the Bucks' offense. I mean, like, at, at this point, like, look, we've talked about rankings, too, here. Like, a lot of people, I think it's a general consensus, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they're, like, both in, like, the top, I would say, 20 to 25 wide receivers in the NFL, Matt. Is that yes. fair to say? You very much. You know, so what is that, you know, like, oh, DK Metcalf, his over under is like 850 or something, you know, like, it's just like, man, like give, give talented wide receivers their due here, man. And look, I do understand that, you know, some people may reason, well, the injury, the significant injury that he suffered. I get that. I do. Um, But like you said, Matt, like recent history is there that Chris Godwin well and above has the potential to be a 1000 yard wide receiver and just take over an entire season, right? Heck, both these guys do. We've, we've had seasons where, you know, we've seen Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both get a thousand yards in a year, right? Because guess what? They're both really good wide receivers. (laughs) So it's, it was 800 flat, right? Yes. uh, 800 and a half. So essentially if he gets, if he gets 801, he covers it. Honest to goodness, Matt, give me the over on this too. And I know some people may say, well, come on, you know, like ball gets distributed around. Look, I get that, man. But we've seen both these guys be able to feast for an entire year and both have successful seasons. We have seen it again. 
for different guys, not just if Tom Brady's there, if other quarterbacks have been there as well, you've seen these guys both be able to put up very, very productive seasons. Now, the injury, look, I understand if that does hamper a little bit of people, but like you said, Brad Idzik, wide receivers coach, loves what he's seeing from Chris Godwin. Yeah. Dave Canales, the Buccaneers offense coordinator, again, says the offense starts through these two guys. And of course, quarterbacks like Mayfield and and, and Trask, they're going to be guys who are going to say, yeah, you know what? I think I am going to throw to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin a pretty healthy amount. I think that that is a good idea. So I think that these guys are certainly going to get some yards, man. Um, you know, again, give me the over on that too. I, I, I will say, like you said, not as like eye-popping as the Mike Evans one, in my opinion, because I do understand there is some concern there at the injuries and whatnot, but yeah. I'd still probably take the over and, and feel relatively good about it. The only time in Chris Godwin's career that he didn't reach what would be his over of this year was his rookie season in 2017 when he had 525 yards. Outside of that, he's reached 1,000 yards every year except for 2018, which he got 842, so he still would have hit this over. And then the 2020 season, which we talked about, he only played in 12 games and was still averaging 70 yards per game. I do want to keep it in context. I'm, I'm trying to look up some of the um, some of the you know star wide receivers in the league, what their over-unders are. Sure. Uh, Cause, Devontae, cause... Yeah, Devontae Adams, I'm seeing – Pretty much 1,300 yards. That's his over-under? Yeah. I see 1,200. It varies because a couple. you're looking at a couple different sites. I see sure, 1,200. Sure. I see uh, 1,299 and a half. I see 1,250 and a half and 1,275 and a half. So pretty much that 1,200, 1,300 range. Brandon Ayuk, who, you know, the, the like real data-driven people and people love Brandon Ayuk. For yeah. whatever reason. I think he's a really good wide receiver, but everyone thinks he's like the next Jerry Rice, maybe because he plays for San Fran. Um, Ayuk, his over-under is 800 and a half, so on that same level as um, as Chris Godwin. Terry McLaurin, I'm seeing... The highest I'm seeing for him is 950 and a half. Tyreek Hill, 1250 and a half. 1300 as well. Keenan Allen, 875 and a half. Oh, another one just popped up for Mike Evans, 950 and a half. Now, 950 and a half oh, for okay. Mike, I think, is like a fair argument. A fair one. That's a fair one. Yeah. But that one just popped up. Let's see. Anyone else? Anyone else? Calvin Ridley, I feel bad even saying him because he got <laughs> suspended for gambling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Stephon Diggs, 1,200 and a half. So, it's interesting. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, especially because, like, you know, we keep my Cooper Cup 12, 24 and a half. Let's find DK and Tyler Lockett. They don't have yeah, it, so, like, in order. So they're Sorry, essentially though. saying that Brandon Ayuk and Chris Godwin are just going to have the same year. Yeah. Basically, which is, is that's a pretty interesting take, you know, from, from the, uh, the over under community on there. Um, yeah, very much. Yeah, Justin Jefferson is, is 12, 15 and a half. Sorry. And DK Metcalf. I'm seeing 950 and a half. So some are those are some of the the star players in in the league. A lot of them are surprisingly again, I'm 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 not the biggest over under guy in the world, but like Matt, in your opinion, some of those seem kind of low to me, right? I felt the Devontae Adams one was fair. Um the Cooper Cup one I think was pretty fair. Ayuk, mm -hmm. I thought was very low. Mike and Chris, obviously, I think is egregiously low. I didn't see sure. Justin Jefferson on there, um, but you know, you said he kinda... had twelve hundred on there, something. Oh, like did I? Ones. Okay, Sorry, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of names on this list. Like Mc, McLaurin, I think, is at nine fifty, something like that. Yeah, that, that felt a, that felt a little bit low. But I'm curious with McLaurin if that is more of the product of like just Washington's situation and their quarterback situation. But that's actually what I was going to ask you as well. I wonder if those over-unders are a product of, like, Baker Mayfield and what's going on with him. What, what do you think of that? Possibly. I mean, Devontae Adams has Jimmy Garoppolo throwing to him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's that's kind of something to consider. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Keenan Allen's got Justin Herbert thrown to him, but he's had some injury issues. So maybe that's what they, the big thing that they take into account. Um, yeah. I mean, it could certainly play a role in that, right? Be it Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, whoever's going to be the starting quarterback, you know, maybe that is something that is taken into account, but, but Matt, wouldn't you think then in that case, like, those guys would would target the top guys to be as yeah. efficient and productive that they can be, right? Like that's what we saw from no no discredit to these guys, but when the team wasn't very good, when you had Josh McCown and Mike Glennon slinging the football out there, getting tons of targets to the top guys, you know, yeah. because that's that's who you're going to focus on to get the football to your best players that are out there so you can kind of put up the best stats you can as a possibly middling quarterback so like that's that's where it's 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 a little strange to me right that that's where it's strange to me it's so funny you say that because i was watching recently just a youtube highlight video of like calvin johnson best plays and things like that and his quarterback was Matt Stafford, obviously. And Matthew Stafford is considered one of the, you know, best quarterbacks in the league when fully healthy. And I and I agree with that. You know, I'm not trying to bash Matthew Stafford here. But I couldn't help but think as well, man, like all you had to do was just there was catches where there would be two defenders on Calvin Johnson and it's a jump ball, and Calvin Johnson's the guy that ends up with with the catch. And I'm like, that's not a great play by Matthew Stafford. That's just him taking advantage of having arguably the one of the greatest receivers in NFL history. And that's why he's a Hall of Famer. And it led me to think, as we're talking about it right now, it led me to think about uh, you know, Mike Evans specifically for all the quarterbacks you mentioned. And I think Jameis Winston benefited from this. I think Johnny Manziel, going back to Texas A&M, benefited from this just going, screw it. Mike's open somewhere and just chucking it deep. I, I, I remember... You know, one of the most famous plays by Jameis Winston was a home game, I believe, against the Bears where he avoided like two or three sacks where he would have got sacked in the end zone and chucked it up. And Mike Evans came down with it and made the, uh, you know, and made the big play. So Mike Evans has bailed out a lot of receivers before. uh, Sorry, a lot of quarterbacks before and will probably do so again with Baker Mayfield. I want to talk about Baker in just a moment, but uh, to kind of put a bow on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, the over-unders for their touchdowns is a bit surprising as well, especially Mike's. Uh, Mike Evans' over-under on touchdowns is five and a half, and Chris Godwin's is four and a half. Now, Mike had six touchdowns last year. Before that, the previous two seasons, he's had double-digit numbers. Chris didn't really have a ton of uh, touchdowns last season. But once again, I'm hammering the over on uh on the over touchdowns for Mike Evans. I'm probably doing it with Chris Godwin too cuz he had 3 last season. That was his with the exception of his rookie season, that's the worst he's ever had. Chris Godwin has never had double digit receiving touchdowns in a season, but I I, I feel like Chris can get at least 5 with the bounce back year where he's fully healthy, can he not? Yeah, I mean, and when you think about red zone targets, right? Like specifically in that type of role. Yeah, you have Payne Durham that they brought in. You have Kate Otten. Yeah. It's Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are still probably going to be the two top guys, man. Like throwing fade routes to those guys. I mean, again, it go, we go back to like, guess what the quarterbacks are going to do? They're going to target their top guys. And guess what? Mike Evans and Chris Godwin can go up and get a football if you give them a fade route or you give them some yeah. type of situation where they're in a position to score a touchdown chances are you're going to take that that shot you know to, to throw a football to mike evans or godwin who can go up and get it because they've got incredible size and and great catch radius and all the things that you want to see in a good red zone target so i mean yeah i agree with you like the the was five and a half for for mike and and four and a half for chris godwin correct. i believe right correct yeah I'd, i would take the over on both i mean Again, we, we've seen the history that these guys can score some touchdowns. Like you said, last year, it was a really tough situation with just the offense not really getting a lot done. It was a struggle for everybody. But now you got this this new offensive coordinator in who's who's really cooking up some interesting things. And you, you're, I think you're going to have more of a focus on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in this new offense, specifically in the red zone as well. That's really where I think you're going to start to see that over and, and, and kind of some of the, that you know, 
offensive firepower really come into play there. Wayne says over on both TDs, and you talk about targeting uh, top guys. If I'm targeting top energy drinks, of course, I'm going after Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast, and they got another new flavor out now that you can get at your local establishments. It is the Cosmic Vibe. It's a uh, sparkling fruit punch that you can get the new Celsius flavor make Celsius your number one pick. If you need to know where to get a Celsius energy drink, which I highly recommend obtaining because it is delicious and there's no sugar and uh, no crash or post energy drink jitters that you might get with another product out there. If you need to go get one, head on over to the uh, Celsius store locator on their website, punch in your address and it'll give you the closest geographical location to uh, find one at your local Walmart, Target convenience store, or your bodega. And then once you keep getting Celsius and you want them in bulk, head on over to Amazon and click on the subscribe and save. Get the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. There's so many different flavors like the sparkling orange and lemon lime or the Arctic vibe. My personal favorite, strawberry lemonade. Great as well. Get it in bulk. Have it sent to your residence every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want it. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. I want to continue the discussion on Baker Mayfield a little bit with his overall stat line because they didn't have prop bets for Baker Mayfield. They had it for about 27 of the 32 teams, but the Bucks were not one of them, mostly because they haven't totally named Baker Mayfield the, the starting quarterback just yet, even though we think that's the direction that they're going. Same thing with Tennessee. There hasn't been any prop bets on their quarterbacks as well. So I think the best way to gauge this is, you know, we can't really look at his stats from last season where, you know, he played on two different teams. He played injured. He was benched, all that different stuff. I think what's most fair is to kind of look at what he did in 2020, you know, when he led an 11 and five Cleveland Browns team to the postseason. And what he did in 2021 as well. So that 2020 season, that was the best season for Baker. He had 3,563 passing yards on 26 touchdowns. The following year in 2021, he had 3,010 passing yards and 17 touchdowns. That was in 14 games. So I think we should kind of look a little bit more at that. 2021 season because I I don't think he's going to repeat what he did in in 2020 Um, but can he reach those numbers again like if you're talking about the over under for his 2021 season uh, where do you where do you see Baker in that area what was the 2021 numbers again yeah sorry his 2021 numbers he threw for 3,010 passing yards with 17 touchdowns yeah um, I think with both of those right I think that you you can take the over, right? When I, whenever I think like in terms of yardage, like in an overall stat line for Baker, right? Yeah. 3,500 to 3,750 yards feels like a decent spot for Baker, I think, right? This upcoming year, if, if things really do go well and he's able to really bounce back, you know, 20 to 24 touchdowns, I think is also pretty fair, right, Matt? Um. I, I think yeah. that that is a, a pretty fair stat line if things go good for Baker, mm-hmm. right? He's got some good weapons around him. The offensive line, again, that's a big old experiment going on. <laughs> but uh, he's got the talent there to put up those types of numbers, I think, right? So you can put up, you know, Brady numbers where Brady was throwing for like 4,000-something yards and – however many touchdowns, you know, like 40 touchdowns or something like that. No, you know, he's not, yeah. but you know, very few people can, but I do think he can put up some, some good numbers for Baker Mayfield. Right. And, and, and overall be a pretty overall fine quarterback. If things do go well. Yeah. For this one, I, I mean, if you kind of compare it to, and you don't want to just be uh, you know, a box score watcher, but if you compare it to the stats of quarterbacks last year, if Baker throws for 3000 yards, 
that would put him like 18th overall in the NFL. Like Davis Mills was the last guy to throw for 3,000 yards on the list. He threw for 3,000. Oh, sorry, Matt Ryan actually was the last one with 3,057. Matt Jones was in at uh, 2,997. Do I think Baker Mayfield can throw for more passing yards than Matt Jones, Matt Ryan, and Davis Mills did? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I would take the over on that. I don't think I would take the over on uh, his 2020 stats when he got the 3,500. I think I would take the under there uh, just because the Bucs are going to be a lot more run heavy this season. And if they have an ex- a successful run game, then Baker doesn't need to throw it as much. So I think I would take the under on his touchdowns of the, of the 26 that he threw in 2020. As far as 17 touchdowns, Hmm. That is uh, that's tough an interesting one. one. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's tough a th- one. Because because three thousand two hundred and fifty yards. You know, if that's kind of where the ballpark of where you're at, that's kind of definitely like okay, yeah, that sounds like a reasonable stat line for Baker if he plays the whole year, yeah. right? That's okay. That's fair. You know, seventeen touchdowns, man. That's that's like just just like a number where it's just like ooh, like ugh, like. You know, if it's too high, it's like, ooh, is that too much? If you go below that, it's like, ooh, is that too few? It's it's an interesting number there. Yeah, very much so. Uh, football fan says Bucks saved Baker too. Good question from Ren Dax, wondering how much did Gino throw for? I'm gonna look that up right now. Gino Smith, I think he threw for four thousand. He threw for four thousand yards and thirty touchdowns. So the Bucks would absolutely sign up for that and obviously they had a, a great running game as well uh yeah maybe that's something to keep an eye on because i just i feel like i personally have fallen into you know you buy into what dave canals is is selling and he's very convincing and you you watch it at practice too and you see what he's talking about and you see the motion and the changes and you watch that part of it, and you're like, all right, this looks pretty good. But that doesn't erase everything bad that Baker Mayfield did as well. And then you factor in the whole Geno Smith thing. Uh, another good point from Ren, then that's the bar. If that's the bar, I think I would take the under on both. I would take was, the under on both. Yeah, because yeah. that's a career year by Geno Smith. And, you know, Baker absolutely can, with the with the talent that he has around him, absolutely has the potential to go out and do that. I just, I don't necessarily know if Baker. I'm going to tell you right now, if Baker were to hit those numbers, he's getting a, he's getting a bag. I mean, yeah, he's getting that Gino contract. Yeah. He's getting a bag, man. But Matt, the Uh, question remains though, would you take the over or the under on that 17 touchdowns? Oh man. Yeah. Life's too short to bet the under, so I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the <laughs> over. I would take under, like, 26 touchdowns, though. It's Anything, fair. yeah. So I, I think that should kind of should kind of be the baseline for him. Let's move it on over to running back now. Okay. Uh, everyone's favorite RB1, Rashad White, getting his first opportunity to be the number one running back on this team Rashad White is over under for rushing yards he comes in at 800 and a half rushing yards and his over under for touchdowns is four and a half now keep in mind Ooh. James he had one rushing touchdown last season and in total the Bucks had I believe five rushing touchdowns. That's so bad. <laughs> That's so bad, yeah. man. Let's see. Five. Yeah, five, five. rushing Leonard, Leonard, Leonard Fournette had three. Rashad White had one. And Tom Brady had one, presumably, on a QB state. That is so bad. Yeah. Well, first, okay, first on the touchdowns, right? I'd probably give it the over. Um, right now, as it stands, I don't think the Bucks necessarily have, like, you know, like a, a typical goal line back, right, Matt? Yeah. I think you look at it, and like, you know, when I think of a goal line back, I think of just a big old bruiser, mm-hmm. right? Right now, the Bucks don't necessarily have that, or they don't have a, a definitive guy in that role. 
Vince Rashad White could certainly get a lot of opportunities there at the goal line if they are at the goal line and 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 definitely score some touchdowns up there, right? And obviously the Bucs are going to be running the football more. For me, it's it's close, right? I would probably slightly take the over on rushing yards, right? When I think of Rashad White and what he can do this upcoming year, is it going to be a thousand yard rusher? Certainly possible. 900 maybe 875 maybe you know 950 something like that that seems like kind of the ballpark of where i'm at right now with rashad white um could certainly be a 1000 yard rusher um i also think that they would want to see some other guys get some work in there as well like chase edmonds maybe a little bit of Keyshawn vaughn as well um but i i would still take the over on both matt what do you think Oh, I was muted there. Apologies. There you go. I was like, oh, no, we've uh, lost Matt. <laughs> yeah, my apologies. What I'm struggling with is we don't know what the running back rotation is going to be. Like, he's sure. going to be running back one, but is it going to be he's running back one and it's going to be running back by committee? Or is it going to be, like, put it this way. If Rashad White had Leonard Fournette's role last season, where they just used him way too much and they never put in the backup, which was Rashad White, then I think I would easily take this over. But I think the Bucs are going to be much smarter than that. Uh, Dave Canales is going to be much smarter than that. Skip Pete comes from the Dallas Cowboys where they had a monster combination with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, at least for a little bit. Zeke's no longer on the team, though he may resign. But with all of that said, with the limited amount of playing time that Rashad White was given last season, and yes, he started eight games and he played in all 17, he, he reached 481 yards. So that would put him halfway there. And you got to think his, his overall rushing attempts are just going to increase a ton because Leonard Fournette's not going to be there. The question is, yeah, at the goal line, will Rashad be the goal line running back? Or, I don't know, in an odd way, I can see a situation where if Sean Tucker is healthy and able to play, he could be the the goal line running back because he's a little bit more of a, uh, you know, of a bruiser type of situation. But Rashad White has his sights set on a 1,000 yards rushing. So I'm going to take the over for him as uh, – rushing wise i think i'm going to take the under on rushing touchdowns i think he's going to get it i think he's going to get exactly four which is an improvement from the year prior but obviously not exactly where rashad wants to be i'm just curious how they're going to split that goal line uh rushing attempts for me yeah and that's super you know that's a good point too i was kind of as i was making my points a a minute ago i thought like yeah well i guess they do have sean tucker there but again that depends on his health what's he what's he gonna look like you know and and that might depend on you know if they want to bring in some type of of goal line back here in the future or or something along those lines depending on what they want to do um yeah so so that is definitely an interesting situation matt uh and also again like you said the rotation at running back we've seen you know, West Coast style of offenses in the past where they like to use a healthy rotation of backs, man. I mean, a pretty healthy rotation. Now, Dave Canales is coming from that type of system. What's that going to look like? You know, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, they do want to run the football more, though, and that matters, certainly. I mean, you, know, you obviously cannot get worse than what the Bucks did last yeah. year. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see ultimately, you know, is Rashad White their number one guy? Yeah, for sure. But does that mean he's going to get every single carry under the sun? Like you were saying, like what Leonard Fournette was getting in the past. Uh, Don't know. That remains to be seen. We have a couple more players to talk about before we wrap up the show. Of course, if you want to bet on the bucks this season or prop bets or anything else, make sure you're doing it over at mybookie.ag. And of course that promo code pewter. Uh, They're really excited about their, my bookie online casino as well. It's new and improved and it's here to change the game. It provides a Las Vegas experience when the action's in your hands. Best part is you don't even need to leave your house or wear pants, even though I would recommend doing so. Your adventure at the My Bookie Casino begins today with a generous sign-up bonus 
using the promo code pewter that's p-e-w-t-e-r they have uh great loyalty programs that include rewards of uh, free spins cashback offers and exclusive vip perks so the more you play the more you win play anytime anywhere with the my bookie casino you can also get up to a thousand dollars with your first deposit bonus with the promo code pewter p-e-w-t-e-r so even if you learn from plant city math you know that that is a heck of a deal so go to mybookie.ag, use that promo code pewter we're going to talk about a very polarizing man up next uh, he is a wide receiver skipped over him briefly but russell gage his overall over-unders, they didn't have uh, touchdowns for him. They did have receiving yards. His over-under for receiving yards, Russell Gage, was 475 and a half. What are your thoughts on that number? You know, this is going to be the first instance where I think I might take the under, Matt. And okay. and, and it's an unfortunate thing, right? I don't think it's a, it's a knock on the ability of Russell Gage. Unfortunately, I just don't know if the guy can stay healthy right now. Right. And he's been dealing with so many nagging injuries since the Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed him. Even now, you know, he's been held out of some workouts due to injuries and whatnot. The ability is there with Gage. Right. That's not necessarily a a a, a point of contention. Right. It's just all a matter of can the guy stay healthy. Right. He was dealing with so many, so many different types of injuries last year that just really affected what he could do for the team. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worry, I worry if that's going to be a similar situation this year for Gage and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, since we've already seen some evidence of dealing with some nagging injuries. Um, so it's definitely something worth paying attention to. Um, I'll probably put him in the ballpark somewhere around 450, something like that. Um, also, it's going to be a little bit of a different offense as well, Matt. Uh, yes, the offense is going to start with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yes, we've seen Dave Canales and, and Brad Edzik give a lot of praise for Russell Gage. So I think he will certainly get some opportunities there. But again, you just got to think about some injury history there. And, and I think there is a little cause for concern. I'm actually going to take the over for Russell Gage just because he had over 400 receiving yards last season. And I think we're all in agreement. He was kind of abysmal, <laughs> you know, last season. So he's already, he was already there with playing so poorly and, yeah, this injury isn't so great, but the coaches absolutely love him and like have spoken about him when we haven't even asked about Russell Gage. So sure. I think they have, I think they have plans in mind for Russell Gage, and it is kind of a do or die season for him, given that they already restructured his contract. So um, we'll he took see. A pay what's cut, up. I believe, right? Yeah, he yeah he took a pay cut, and you know if he doesn't perform, and someone like Trey Palmer does, they may just cut him after this season. Um, the next guy I want to talk about, and we're not going to get into rookies like Trey Palmer and, sure. and um, you know, Sean Tucker, if he's able to play, or Payne Durham, just because they're rookies, the projections, it's a little bit all over the place. But we can talk about Kadon, who I think built a solid foundation last season. Um, but overall, he had... Uh, what do you have? He had 391 receiving yards overall, 65 receptions and two touchdowns. I, I think he'll get more than two touchdowns this season. I think just playing more, he's going to get more, uh, you know, receiving yards than he did the year before. So I'm going to mix this question up a little bit. His personal yeah. best last year in terms of receptions in a game was six receptions. Do you think he has a game this year where he gets over six catches in a game? Ooh, I'm going to say no. I think six catches is a lot. Um, yeah. You, you know, for, for most players, right? Six is six is a pretty good amount. I think he can certainly get to six again in a game, but I don't think he's going to get over. That's where you, you start to see like the top, you know, top, top guys getting like eight, nine, 10 receptions, right? Like that's, you know, if you were if you were to tell me Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, I'd say, yeah, easily over on that. Mm-hmm. Cade, you know, good young tight end, right? But see a guy that's gonna be targeted enough to where he's gonna get over six catches in a game? I don't know. I I I don't I don't think so. Um, still think he'll have a, pr- a pretty solid season this upcoming year for sure. Obviously, he's the number one tight end in the room. Um, but six catches is a lot. 
you know? Um, yeah. So I, I'm going to say like, I could definitely see him hitting that number a couple of times, but seven, eight catches. That's, that's a lot, man. It, it really is. I think he would get six in a game again, but I can't see him going any higher than that. Obviously, if he were to, everybody would absolutely love that. Uh, before we wrap up, we're going to talk defensively uh, real quickly because in terms of you could do a prop bet of who's going to have the most sacks across the NFL, and the only buck on the list was Shaq Barrett at plus 8,000. So if you bet $100 on Shaq Barrett to have the most sacks out of anyone in the NFL, you will win $8,000. Um, you know, Shaq obviously tore his Achilles last year. The season before that, he had 10 sacks on the season. So let's set the over-under for Shaq at nine and a half sacks. Can he get to double digits this year, given everything that he's gone through and, uh, you know, moving into this season? Oh, it's tough, Matt. Uh, I'm honest. I could see him hitting nine and a half. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think that'd be a solid year for Shaq. Yeah. Right. Hitting nine and a half. I could also see him just squeaking out double digits, right? 10, 11, something like that. Because um, point blank, he's going to be the top pass rusher on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. Right. Certainly the guy with the most experience, um, at least in terms of, how, you know, if I have outside linebackers, edge guys, defensive linemen, you know, like Shaq, Shaq's going to be that guy, you know, to kind of lead that group. Devin White will be there as well. And I've talked about him before and his, you know, presence as a pass rusher on this Bucks offense. That'd be a fun over under as well, by the way, to see, you know, Devin White and his sack numbers. Yeah. Um, Nine and a half, man. What's it? What is it called whenever you just take like push? Is that whenever you just take the number itself? So- well, yeah, but the number would have to be nine or ten because nine and a half. You're either betting over nine and a half or under nine and a half. You can't get. Okay. Oh, I guess. I guess with sacks you can get nine and a half. Every other stat with a half. Yeah. Yes, you can with sacks. I'm, it would be a push at nine and a half. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say push then on that. All right. Nine and a half is a solid number for Shaq. Um, I think it would would just be a number two where he'd probably be the top guy for sacks for the Bucks that year. So I'll say push on that. Nine and a half seems like a pretty solid number for Shaq. What do you think, Matt? The problem is, is is he playing from week one or is he not returning until week three or four or five? Because if that's the case, then I don't think he can get to 10 sacks. There's also the element of if he returns week one, when will we see the Shaq Barrett that we all know? Like, does he need a couple of games to get the reps and get it going? If that's the case, then I think I got to take the under. I still think he can get like nine, but I think it's going to take a couple of games for him to really ease into it, which I which I think is going to which is going to be kind of tough for him. But if you are trying to buy or sell a house and you want to make it easy, make sure you go to our new sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast, Eric and Caitlin Gross. Uh, they help you out with an amazing home buying experience. Uh, the Eric Gross group, they are, uh, Eric is a huge Bucks fan, lived in Cincinnati, but he's coming back to Tampa uh, and going to be watching a lot of Bucks this year. So go to www.houseinflorida.com, see how they can help you, what they have to offer. Eric and Caitlin Gross, the Eric Gross group, Realty, very excited to have them on as a, a sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Check out Eric Gross Group Realty. Going to be uh, super, super helpful with your home buying experience. And their number is 513-907-4271. James, one last thing I want to know. Over under wins for the Bucks. It's at six and a half. It's got to be the over, right? Yeah, I would say over. Uh, I I grimaced at how how low that number is. Six, you know, six. I would take the over, man. Seven, eight, nine. We've talked about it here on Peter Report plenty, right? That seems like a pretty s- standard number for the Bucks to say seven, eight, nine wins, something like that. I would take the over on that. Yeah, so would I. I think they're going to prove a lot of people wrong this season. Not going to be great, but I think way better than six and a half wins. And uh, we have a lot of great podcasts coming up, by the way. Tomorrow, Josh Capo joins us. We're going to talk about how Baker Mayfield fits in the Bucks offense. And then on Monday, 
a very special show. Bucks, Ring of Honor member, and getting inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame in a couple of weeks. Rondé Barber is joining us on Monday afternoon, so make sure you stay tuned to all of that. And in the meantime, please follow us on our social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Peter Report. And our YouTube channel is Peter Report TV. Please like and subscribe for all of the content we put out on our YouTube channel, whether it's clips, interviews, whatever. So that's going to do it for us on today's show. For James Hill, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow night for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. <laughs>